what a harlequin is? A harlequin's role is to serve. It's nothing without a master. Welcome to the DC Film Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Scott. And I'm Tim, and we are the Squadcast. And Scott, you made a special arrangement for us tonight. Yes, we have a special interview that we are going to introduce in just a short minute after we take care of our preliminaries and do all the intro stuff that you guys know we have to talk about. So (laughs) we'll tease you just a little bit longer before we we get started. We, of course, want to take this opportunity to remind you that we are members of the Squadcast Media Network. That does include DC Comics Squadcast with Chris and Jordan, DC TV Squadcast with Ray and whoever happens to be joining him that week, if anyone, Fans Without Borders with Brent and Ray, and then, of course, our newest show, Marvel Squadcast with Brent and Brock. Yep. And then, of course, we are a listener-supported network of shows, and we appreciate all the support you guys give us. If you'd like to help support the network, you can go to patreon.com slash squadcastmedia. Uh, we have some exclusive shows of course there Squadcast movies where we review every single comic book film of all time I think Dick Tracy is in the can at this point and should be the next episode out yes so we've got that one about ready to drop and of course we got other shows like Fans Without Borders and we have some other miscellaneous things but yeah uh, it's a thank you to all the support that you guys give us so go check it out if you again if you'd like to support patreon.com slash Squadcast Media alright Scott let's get started absolutely well being that last week was 214 uh, some some additional news besides all the, all the goodies that Zach and Subway decided to drop our way happened. I spotted with my little eye a tweet from a certain individual by the name of Sean O'Connell, who is the managing uh, managing editor of Cinema Blend and also the co-host of the Real Blend podcast. And he made a special announcement on 214 that honestly just prompted me to out of the blue do something I never do, which is I just tweeted him and said, hey, would you like to come on our show and tell our listeners all about your project? And he graciously said yes. So we'd like to give a big Squadcast Media welcome to Sean O'Connell. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yay, I'm giving myself a round of applause, <laughs> by the way. You know, Sean. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Uh, we're doing great. I, I, was, I was wondering if Scott Good. was doing it. I wasn't sure. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> nah, I figured I should fess up to it. Might, might as well. <laughs> Transparency, right out the Transparency, gate. Transparency, for sure. Yeah, appreciate that. Well, welcome to the show, Scott. All right, welcome to the show, <laughs> Sean. <laughs> yes, Scott, Scott. Welcome to the show I've been yeah. on for the last five years. Thank you. <laughs> no, we're happy to have you. Hi, good. Good to be with you guys. Yeah, listen, um, like I said right beforehand, it's, it's uh, the project to me is so very exciting. Um, it's, you know, part of the movement, but but it's an extension of the movement because I'm really just trying to tell the story of the people in the Release of Snyder Cut movement. And so anybody who wants to talk to me about it, I'm, I'm more than willing to sort of share it and it's funny like it's new to so many people but I've been sitting on it for a year at, at least where it's, I've been sort of mulling it over and, and thinking like is there an actual book here is there you know but the story just kept growing and growing and it continues to grow to this day which is also a bit of a challenge with this book because um, you know people keep asking me what the ending is going to be and I, I don't <laughs> know yet um, but that's a lot of that's up to Zach yes <laughs> so we'll yes, see it is well Sean to start off um, maybe some of our listeners may or may not be familiar 
with you. So I thought, you know, wanted to give you the floor to kind of just tell everyone who you are, what you do, and, you know, what what bring what brings you here tonight? Sure. Perfect. Um, I'm the managing director at Cinema Blend. I've been um, with Cinema Blend for about six years now, and I uh, was a freelance writer for them early on and uh, eventually jumped full time and became their movies editor and, and sort of climbed the ranks uh, to the managing director position. And uh, I've been a but, but I've been a movie journalist since 1999. So I've been around for a long, uh-huh. long time. I've been with outlets like USA Today and uh, Microsoft had a website for years that I was helping run. Uh, I was with FilmCritic.com and then I was with Fandango for years. And um, and then I started freelancing for Cinema Blend. And I also worked for a weekly newspaper uh, here in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I'm from. But I always kept a foot in the online world because that was always where I figured everything was going eventually. Uh, and turns out that print did die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or came really close to it anyway. Um, and then, you know, over the years, I've just sort of expanded into uh, broadcast, you know, where where I'm on YouTube. I do things for Cinema Blend's YouTube page. I do a lot of the press junkets. Um, I got my hands on a lot of different pots, basically. Uh, but I've always been a um, comic book guy. I've always been a superhero guy. And so I, I, I say this often to friends and family who, you know, whenever I tell them what my job is, or a lot of them know what my job is, and they're just like, how on earth did you get a job like this? But it was kind of um, kismet in the fact that I loved superheroes and I loved comic book and I grew up reading Marvel and DC and I just, I adored these stories um, and they just happened to become the biggest genre, you know, in, in a medium that I love, which is movies. And so it's it's the perfect marriage of, of several things that I like and I've been very lucky that for the past, you know, at least 10 to 15 years, they've been the predominant genre and through things like Marvel and DC, uh, they only seem to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's funny, like you see um, Star Wars, you know, come back and struggle to find its way, you know, right. without having a clear cut path or, you know, things that have been around forever, like the James Bond franchise, like you could never make a living being just a James Bond guy. <laughs> but if you're a superhero person, you know, if you happen to be an expert in the superhero field, you can do pretty well for yourself. So, um, so that's, that's been my forte and, uh, and it's been nice to be able to write about movies and superhero stuff while also, you know, covering just about every aspect of the film industry, but there's so much superhero news as you guys know, I'm sure, that you could always be talking about what's coming, um, what's currently happening, and you can, you know, talk about what just happened. So there's a lot of fodder, and it keeps us very busy. I mean, we've been doing it for five years, just focusing on DC by itself. Yes. Sure. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, imagine, you know, for you, and you get to play the whole field. Yeah. For sure. And I mean, even if you get into, you could exhaust yourself with speculation about what's coming. Um, with DC in particular, and I'm sure that you guys have done this several times over the years, they announce a lot of projects. Those projects don't always <laughs> right. come to fruition. <laughs> we, we have a list. You should see our show notes. We have a list. <laughs> we have a list of everything we ever hear about being announced. And uh, maybe not necessarily announced, but like you can hear the scuttlebutt about it. And uh, it's a long list. <laughs> How many directors have come and gone on just The Flash oh, alone? You know? Five. <laughs> yeah. Five. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I mean, that, that that's it's a cottage industry in and of itself. You know, the superhero yes. industry. And, and, and I get it that there's people who have gone into uh, writing about movies, talking about movies, covering the film industry who have no interest in superheroes and comic books uh, in general. They'd rather see um, the new Wes Anderson, you know, the new Quentin Tarantino. And I love all that stuff too. But when you ask them to cover the superhero uh, comings and goings when they don't have a passion about it, uh, you can see through it. The fans can 
see through it, you know? So I I think I've been lucky enough to be at a place where I, I, I feel I'm knowledgeable in both the film side and the comic book side and uh, and can talk about, you know, it, it's fun to step back and analyze when something happens, uh, what this means in the bigger picture for both, you know, Marvel or DC or when somebody gets cast or a character gets introduced. And so, you know, t- to bring it around to wh- why we're talking Snyder Cut, uh, as somebody who covered that story, basically, from the time that Zack was brought on board to do Man of Steel, um, I've never, ever, ever, ever in my 20 plus years of writing about films and covering the film industry have I seen uh, a debacle like what happened on Justice League. And so that always fascinated me just from the business of covering this industry of just, you know, you have a Justice League movie coming, a a Justice League movie, (laughs) which should be one of the biggest things that you're ever going to release. You know, these characters all together for the first time on the big screen and you and you meddle with it in such a way that you change change directors midstream and try to go from one tone to another tone and and then you're you act shocked when it bombs and like everything about that that story fascinates me uh to no end so i could i could talk about it forever well um we we were there i mean we were there covering it and we have our own personal reasons for our reactions to what happened and how we felt about we'll be frank the the bs we were we were given for the six months because that's what we fed off of for you know the the six to eight months leading up to the release of the movie so much so that tim had to hold my hold me on a leash during our (laughs) film review just to stop me from imploding on our review episode so i'm sure it hit me it hit me the it hit me the hardest well the biggest thing for us too because we had been covering it for so long you know we knew you know obviously when uh, Zack snyder however you want to say it stepped away or was pushed away uh when that happened you know we knew that all these changes were coming and you know there was an awful lot of uh really consistent dialogue about you know what was going to be happening that there was going to be a maintaining of Zack Snyder's vision and all that and you know you 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 want to believe it you you do want to believe it that like hey you know they are going to try to be faithful uh to what his original vision was and and you 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 finally realize you know that you know they did in fact diverge so far from what you expected them to do like you you would sit there and think that you know there's no way they're going to do this there's no way they could possibly change it up that much and it just seemed like an impossibility and then you actually see the end product and you realize it actually did happen it was just infuriating (laughs) because that's literally if you step back and anyone who knows anything about how a movie gets made you would say to yourself as a as a means of caution to say like all right i'm not going to get too worried because there's not too much damage that they could do in this short amount of time (laughs) um but then you see the finished product and you're like oh sure enough they can do a lot of damage wow i didn't realize that (laughs) you can actually take something that might have worked pretty well uh and completely butcher it uh for no reason whatsoever it 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 was it was shocking it was shocking yeah and and actually you know sean i think that's one of the things that's most intriguing about what you're trying to do here because uh there's two things out of justice league to me that are enormously uh uh, interesting you know and the first one being obviously what happened to justice league you know what were the things that kind of drove it who were the people that were making decisions you know there's a lot of like assumptions out there and honestly there's so much of the story that i'm not going to sit there and say that i know for a fact you know And, and a lot of people have their mind made up about what happened i honestly don't exactly know what dominoes fell first and who was pulling the levers like i just don't know that i i 
am dying to find out when that story is eventually going to come out. So to me, that's the first thing that's most interesting about this. The second thing is the immense and sustained movement that we have had from the fan community of all the people that have been saying, hey, you know, this is, you know, this is unacceptable. This is not a Zack Snyder film. Uh, We know there was a lot more to the Zack Snyder film that's out there. We want to see it. And, you know, in so many times in the past, you would see something like this come up and then you would see the the momentum and the movement just die out. And it is it has gone the complete opposite. It's just it to me, this is such an interesting and compelling story. Like, how did this, you know, not just how did it happen, but like the fact that it it, it kept going and the community uh, with all the varied voices that you have in this thing, like being able to somehow find a way to just kind of stay together and and push this thing forward. To me, that's immensely interesting. No, uh, you're selling my book for me 100 percent. because That's exactly <laughs> why I, I want this story to get out there, because it, the release, the Snyder Cut movement family, you know, whatever term you want to use for it gets dismissed so often by people who just, you know, they're casual drive by people who see it on social every once in a while and think, oh, here, the, here come those lunatics again. Right. But they're not stopping for a minute to think about all of the stuff that has to go into maintaining um, a drive like this. And I can only point to other examples of, of smaller fan based movements that have, you know, tried for a short amount of time, but they can't sustain it. You're exactly right. They can't sustain it. And all the credit in the world goes to the people who have worked behind the scenes to keep that momentum going and to target it at um, ideas that really get good press and really keep the story going forward. Because now it, it is to the point where every time that they do an event, um, it's re-shining that spotlight on the story of, oh, right, there's a version of Justice League that everybody wants to see. Um, and and I think every time through still to it educates the people on one more component of it. And that's why um, on February 14th, I did a video for Cinema Blend's YouTube page where I was like, okay, everyone's seeing the 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 uh, hashtag today and it's starting to trend. Why? Why 214? Well, maybe you guys don't know, you know, the cut's supposed to be 214 minutes long. And so a casual fan might be like, oh my gosh, really? It's it's actually that long if they're just hearing about it for the first time or if they're just paying attention for the first time. And all of those things, all of these those little um, uh, campaigns continue to, you know, bring awareness to it, uh, educate the masses. But then in addition, like that charitable aspect that, they, that they're doing to raise money for the AFSP uh, is what really touched my heart and made me start digging into it even deeper uh, than I was just the first time through of like, oh gosh, what are these guys doing? Like they're actually doing something really significant um, to raise some money for a really important cause. But but then on top of that, and, and I think that this is the key of, of why those other movements don't go beyond, um, you know, a small passionate group of fans who are behind it. And that's the support that Snyder shows to it. Like he fans the flame for it uh, more often than you would ever assume a filmmaker would. And, and whether it's out of just being um, humble, you know, uh, there's so many people who are just like, oh, my fans are great. I love what they're doing. Uh, that's good for them. Let them do it kind of thing. But Zach gets his hands and feet dirty. You know, he gets in to the muck and, and, and shares images and, you know, pushes the campaign or, or now with the poster drive that they're doing, you know, he's agreeing to pick the winner and, and the arts festival that's happening. He's agreeing to oversee the, the finalists for the arts festival. He backs it at every turn. And I find that to be equally fascinating because, you know, by all accounts, he lost a handle on that movie. You know, like they did not let him finish it. And instead of uh, turning his back on it all and saying, forget that. I never want to talk about that again. It's a dark part of my my past. I'm going to move on to my next project. He stays in it. He's still involved in it. And he's still pushing it along. And that's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So I want to make sure that we don't bury the lead here. But sure. th- the point is you, you're writing a book. And I want <laughs> yes. you. Yes. The, it's kind of the reason you're here. You're writing a book. <laughs> and we want to make sure that you have an opportunity 
opportunity to give you the floor to talk about this book because you announced it to the world, you know, if, if you can call Twitter the world, <laughs> on, on 214. I mean, I, I saw your tweet. Like, that was the first thing that made me kind of, I mean, I knew who you were. Uh, you were, you had been vetted and vouched for by other people. Let's <laughs> say, you, 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 were, you were a known quantity. People, people that we know who we trust vouched for you. So when I saw this tweet, my, my little eyebrow just went, er? <laughs> and um, it, and I, I want to actually read the tweet that you posted because I love the way that you wrote it. Uh, you're you're already a very good writer, and I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> at, at nine seventeen in the morning, you wrote, "I'm writing a book. It's called Release the Snyder Cut. It documents Zack Snyder's DCEU journey. More than that, though, it's the story of the people in the hashtag Release the Snyder Cut movement. It publishes in 2021. Follow along, and you've started your own hashtag Release the Snyder Cut book. So, Sean, tell us about your book. Okay, so I had the idea of writing about the the release of Snyder Cut movement because um, I'm fascinated by what was born out of such tragedy uh, that is the theatrical cut. And I understand, you know, the the way that I have described it um, in some other situations is I grew up as a huge Marvel kid. Um, I I read Marvel religiously. I read DC uh, on the side as well, too, but I just was not as passionate about DC as I was the Marvel superheroes. Spider-Man is my guy. Like, he's my all-time favorite character. I love Spider-Man. I'm enamored with what Kevin Feige has been building in the MCU and I recognize how much Warner Brothers tried to sort of chase after that Marvel model and the way that I have been sort of trying to make the comparison is um, if I knew that Infinity War was coming right like a like a team up of of all my favorite on-screen heroes um, against Thanos and then when Infinity War arrived it was a hatchet job you know of the uh, of what Justice League theatrical cut would be I can't imagine what my devastation would be right like it would be unspeakable that here I waited for all this time for this movie to get delivered and this is the garbage that you're giving me like this is the I would I'd be beside myself trying to figure out what went wrong so I completely understand fans frustration over what they were given uh, in a Justice League movie and it blows my mind and I said it on this show already and I'll probably say it again Warner Brothers was trying to rush to a Justice League movie and they and they basically got there you know they gave themselves a man of steel to set up their Superman they cleverly brought in Batman and Wonder Woman in a story that made sense didn't shoehorn them in but it, but logistically built them up to where they should be and got themselves to a place where they could introduce the other members um, in a Justice League movie and it, it should have worked it could have worked it, it needed to be a home run and it wasn't by any stretch and and as a person who writes about the film industry on a regular basis that alone is fascinating to me like what got us to this point how did it go so wrong and I think I can write that story even if nobody associated with the movie um, is able to speak. And and so far what I'm running into is a lot of NDAs from people who are not able to tell me the, the true story on the record. I'm getting a lot of off-the-record type stuff and, and I'm, I'm still working away, chipping away at that. Right. But the thing is, I've been following this story from day one. I was one of the 10 journalists that got to go to the set of Justice League uh, back when it was still Zack's movie. So I have plenty of audio and interviews from interviewing him uh, and Debbie and Charles Roven and the entire cast, everybody talking about what they wanted Justice League to be back when it was still Zack's movie. Um, and that's a, a whole section of the book. I've got uh, my whole trip to the set. Um, and then it's an, an analysis of Joss coming in, of how it came out. And I was explaining all this. I'm going to give all the credit in the world to my wife, who is a casual movie fan, puts up with my BS, you know, because obviously it's <laughs> it's our lives. Like all of our wives do. Right. <laughs> but what I'll say about Michelle, my wife, is that she is a great, it's, it's like having a place to escape to when I just don't want to talk about movies. You're right. <laughs> you know, 
and I and I want to get away from it all. She's a great island of uh of tranquility, away from the madness that is all this. And I, you know, obviously have been talking to her about the, the prospect of putting a book together, and I was trying to explain the story in a way that was um, you know, in, in mainstream speak. You know, for someone who has no clue what the Snyder Cut is or what happened to, to Zach or anything like that. And I'm explaining, I'm explaining, I'm explaining it, and I'm talking to her about the people who are fighting hard to get the, the cut released and how they went to SnyderCon in Pasadena and how he mentioned on video that there is a cut and it exists and and she kind of stops me she waves it off and she goes okay like i get it that's all this is all really interesting but like why do these people do this like why is it important to them to see this cut of the verse like how come they're fighting so hard to do this and it that literally that question stopped me in my tracks and i thought i don't know why (laughs) it's so important to them like that's a really great question and so from that point i had already started to like hash out what the format of the book was going to be and i started asking that question to the people in the movement that i had been in contact with and at this point it was very early on and it was um just a few people who i knew from friends of a friends of a friend uh who were putting together the Times square billboard and i'd seen what they'd done in san diego at the san diego comic-con and, and that those were two of the, the events where along the way i was like this is much bigger than people think that it is and I, I think there's something else going on here and i started to to ask around kind of thing very casually of just sort of saying well what is this going to be and right off the bat as i started asking some of the people who i trusted um like why are you guys doing this for real like tell me tell me the story about why you're doing this and they got back to me with their their personal stories of why this matters to them and how it's um it's the movie you know it's definitely they want to see the cut of the movie but it's the the connections that they've made in the, in the movement and it's people who have been there for them at a time when they really needed someone to be there for them or it was you know I, I've heard some amazing amazing stories and and I started to realize that you know yes I can recount um, everything that people might think they know about what happened with Justice League but I think I can give it to them in a different spin you know from a different angle from an insider's perspective as someone who sort of covered it the whole way through and someone who understands the industry also and maybe can provide some feedback I've had some friends who are you know who cover this stuff on a regular basis have read some of my initial chapters as well too and they said um look i i know all this and i'm learning stuff as i read your chapters so that's a, a compliment you know i oh, wow. that's what i love to hear um but uh i'm i'm hearing such amazing personal stories and I, i'm i'm making i think really deep personal connections to why the dc movies are so important to people why zach's um approach to filmmaking matters to them um why none of them the, none of them have ever said that uh, the movie's not important they all want to see the movie but they have realized that it's moved so far beyond just the movie uh, that some people do it more for the charity side. You know, they want to raise funds for the um, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention or they they had someone that they lost in their lives or they had suicidal thoughts themselves um, and, and people in the movement help pull them back. And I think that those stories need to be shared and I hope that I can give justice no pun intended, I did really didn't mean I'm going to end up doing that it, more it's than... Fine. It's fine, it's fine. We do it all the time. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I want to just be, you know, the the right outlet and portal to hopefully educate people, you know, who are those driver buys who I mentioned, you know, to say to them, you guys are being really short-sighted. There's a lot more to this than you probably realize. And if I can get the story of of what the movement accomplished uh, in the two to three years since the theatrical cut of Justice League came out, you know, it's it's funny, the book, so the book itself is about the movie, but it, it ended up becoming about so much more than that. And, um, and I'm really satisfied that it's sort of taken that direction and, and taken that shape. 
how far along are you with the book right now? Uh, I mean, I'm still deep in the writing stage. Um, and the issue with it too is that, and this speaks to w- exactly what you guys said, you know, like I was vetted by people right. you trust, right? <laughs> right. Because a huge component of this, uh, and I'm being totally candid, is was earning the trust of the people in the movement. And uh, listen, I wouldn't trust me either necessarily. Um, I know that there were some bad situations with other journalists. Um, I know specifically there was a Wall Street Journal article that really offended some people. Oh, it was, that was a big one. That was, <laughs> that was a big one. That was the heart of it. That was the heart of it, really. That was the heart of it. Uh, that one, we, we were part of the buildup when we found out the article was happening. Like okay. that, that was a thing on our show and we were getting mixed messages about what this article was going to be from okay. different sources. And we tried our best to prepare people for, guys, we are literally hearing the polar opposites about what this article means. Right. Okay. Right. And so when it happened, it was one of those, oh crap moments for those of us in the movement and those of us who cover this kind of thing. And I'll be honest with you, Sean, and I think, and Tim will fess up to this. When I, when I was following up with him about doing this interview, he, he, he vetted me. Like he questioned <laughs> me, like, we're not walking into something, are we? It's like, we're still, it's been, it's been two years since that happened and we're still gun shy about what happened with the Wall Street Journal article. And truthfully, I've resigned myself. Well, really, I've resigned myself to the fact that, that I might be distrusted by some people in the movement right up until the book comes out and, and probably even after the book comes comes out. It's just, it's a touchy situation. I, I totally understand that. And I the only thing I can say is that I think my record for my approach to, um, you know, all of Zach's films and these films in particular, it's all there. You know, you can go back and read the reviews I've written. I, I have also come on and talked about the fact that I didn't like Man of Steel that much initially, that it took me a, a long time to sort of warm up to what Zach was trying to do, um, specifically because I was raised on the, you know, the Donner films and, and seeing Superman as the probably boring uh, Boy Scout figure, you know. So when you take a darker edge on him or a, a more mature edge on him than what Zach was trying to do, it took me a little while to get used to it. I've since grown, the film has grown on me uh, for a lot. I love Batman Ultimate Edition um, and was deeply curious about what he was trying to do with Justice League. Um, so, but, you know, and then there's going to be people in the movement who are, there are people in the movement who just want to look for a fight also sometimes too. Yes, there uh, are. They just want to argue. Yeah, they just want to <laughs> argue. Um, and they're entitled to that also. I mean, listen, I'm not going to, not, you're never going to win everybody over. Um, but right now I can tell you that uh, Fiona, has, as I've interviewed her for the book, uh, she gave me her blessing. And that to me was like one of the main ones that I needed to get. And once I spoke to her and once we moved ahead with our interview and, and I got her story, uh, I realized, okay, now I can get the ball rolling officially. Like that was the, that was the one that I felt I really needed. And once she gave me her blessing, uh, the, the rest is um, not gravy because everybody's story has been really, really important. And there's still a lot of really important people that I would like to get. Um, but uh, I, I've heard some really beautiful stories. Oh, so that's what it is. You asked me where I am in the, I'm in the writing stage, but the fun, the funny thing is I have this whole uh, template, a whole format of, of the direction that I want it to go. But as I keep hearing from more people, I'm either uh, filling in uh, chapters that exist or pivoting slightly to get more, uh, to get better stories in there because I'm, I'm hearing great stories from a lot of different people. Um, and of course, I'm holding out hope, you know, that Zach and Debbie want to come on the record uh, yeah. because I have announced to uh, to people on social media that a portion of the proceeds that I earn from the book, I'm not trying to get rich on the book. I'm not trying to make a ton of money from it. And a portion of what I earn is going to go back to AFSP. Like I, I'm going to make a donation to AFSP uh, after I start making some money off of the book. Um, so if Zach and Debbie were to weigh in, I think that would sell more copies. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'd, I'd 
trying not to make it sound gross because that's not my intention at all, you know? Um, but I, I would love, and even if he was able to speak, you know, not about the movie and, and the process he had to go through because of NDAs or whatever reason that he might not be able to go on record about those things, I think he, I think he can come on and talk about the movement and why it's important to him. And I know that it has to be important to him because he wouldn't be backing it at every turn if it wasn't important to him. And I know that it is. I, things that he's said on Vero make it clear that the thing that, the work that the people in the movement are doing is important to him and is touch, touching him and Debbie. So um, I would love it if they could speak uh, on the record for the book because what I say too to a lot of the people who, um, when I've convinced a few people to come over and speak on the record about it is, you know, guys, I have a publisher and the book is coming, you know, it's going to happen. Sooner or later, this book is going to be on a shelf. So, you know, do you want the story told the right way? Or do you want after the book has come out to say like, ah, I should have talked to him, you know, because <laughs> right. I have something that I want to say for this movement and it would have made the book that much better. Like, I want this book to become the official account of what was accomplished here. And um, and I can really only do it if the people in the movement decide to participate. Well, Sean, I do have a question for you. Now, I know you were on the set of Army of De- the Dead and you did talk to Zack Snyder at some point about the Snyder Cut, or at least he made some kind of comments about it. I know you're under like a strict NDA with that, but did you, did you learn something there that made you have a much better idea and context about what actually happened? You know, you know, stuff you're not able to share, but like you have knowledge about uh, something that he shared with you that, you know, gives you that much more push for this book. Uh, what happened about what happened to him during the process of Justice League? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you would refer to in the past, like you had said that, you know, he had made there were comments that were made on the set of Army of the Dead. And, you know, because you were under an NDA, you were not able to talk about it. But is is that stuff that was informative to you? Very informative to me. Yes, um, that's that made me decide in the moment whether I was going to tell this story or not. Truthfully, um, I was prepared to come back from Army of the Dead and and scrap the whole project. Uh, if I got the sense from him that it wasn't something he wanted to see pursued. And that's not to say that he knows anything about the book or heard about the book from me uh, in that moment. It was more about talking about the movement itself. And I can say that when we went to the set, it was days after the New York Comic Con billboard. Right. And he made it very clear that he had seen it. Um, and he made it very clear how how moved he and Debbie were. Debbie was at the lunch table with us. This was during lunch. We sat with him at lunch. And because for the most of the time that we were on the set that day, he was directing. He's doing his own DP uh, for Army of the Dead. And so he was camera in hand you know Mm -hmm. in in the middle of sets filming stuff we were in that we were in a casino uh in atlantic city uh one that they had uh, changed over completely to look like it had been (laughs) ravaged by zombies (laughs) um so he was extremely busy but he took lunch uh the whole lunch hour and sat with us and we talked about army of the dead obviously um and then of course it inevitably came around to justly right and um and his desire to push forward and the sense i got um so i all right what can i how can i just uh there were two there were two paths that i thought the two directions where the conversation could have gone in in my opinion one was going to be um oh i don't want to talk about that uh that's my past i've moved i've moved on and i'm, I'm into another movie now and god bless them i love what they're doing but uh, it's not it's not part of what we're doing anymore you know we've moved on um and then the second path was uh oh no i'm very much interested in that and um yeah no i i know how important it is to people it's it's that important to me also uh and um do i want to keep doing everything i can to to keep fanning that flame oh you, you 
better believe it. Um, and I'll tell you guys that that's the path that the conversation <laughs> went down. Um, without giving any specifics, that's the path. That's the that's the takeaway that we got that day. And you know, so I went into that set visit with the idea in the back of my mind of I I have a book here. It's coming together. I I'm going to try to tell it whether Zach can contribute or not. Um, but I wonder if if he would even shut the idea of a book down. And again, I've reached out to his people. I've asked uh, him to to speak for the book. Um, I'm still negotiating that basically at this point, whatever day today is. Um, but if I got the sense from him at Army of the Dead that that he would never ever want to speak of that or that that project should never go forward because he wouldn't be interested in it, I would have came back and shut the whole thing down. I would have just unplugged it and said, ah, that was interesting for a little while and moved on. Because look, dude, I'm telling you, it's, it's not fun writing a book. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It is. And if you're doing it for, um, and at that point too, I'll even tell you guys candidly, um, I had shopped the idea around to a bunch of different publishers and literary agents and um and dude i'm sorry if i'm if i'm way over talking no no uh, not I at really all we want cut, you to keep talking cut no, me it's off. an interview <laughs> the whole point is for you to talk i know but like cut me off at any point that this, is, this isn't interesting please like jump in um but uh i had shopped the idea around to a bunch of different literary agents and publishers and was just dealing with a steady stream of rejections you know uh and and with valid concern like uh, a feedback i was getting from people was um a we don't know how the story ends you know like right. what's gonna happen with the snyder cut movie why we can't embark on a book uh, project when we don't know where it's going to go. Um, and then the other concern that I heard from a lot of people was, yeah, I think your audience probably already knows this story. Like, are they going to buy it? Are they going to buy a book that they already know the story to it? And um, I, I would argue that they don't necessarily know the complete story. But anyway, they're right to reject it. They can reject it for whatever reason they want to. Um, so I came back from Army of the Dead with the belief that Zach would want this story out there. You know, that he, whether he officially gives his blessing to it or participates or not, I, I don't think that he would not want to see the book about this movement out there. I think he's very interested in um and then uh, through you know a series of, of events that happened uh in the weeks and months following that said visit I, I landed on a publisher uh who has agreed to to put the book out so and they're right i mean like my manuscript is due at the end of june the book won't come out until uh the end of 2021 or i'm sorry the beginning of 2021 right now because uh, there's a huge process that goes into putting a book sure. like this together so um i'm prepared for the story to shift and change and if that's the case then i will have to pivot on some of it you know to hopefully what but that listen that is the best case scenario you know the best case scenario is the movie gets released and i get to send a bunch of questions out to everybody who have participated that just basically says tell me how you celebrated (laughs) (laughs) because that's the that's the last chapter that i want to have in this book more Uh, than anything else the the exclamation point at the end of the sentence that just says uh you did it how does it feel kind of thing uh, oh uh, i have so many answers yeah of course i i I have made plans in my head (laughs) i have contingencies of what i will do when that day arrives yes well and even if i like to i think it might be i think listen i know nothing um i have no insider information it feels like hbo max makes the most sense to me we would agree with that yes to us, yeah we, that's the same case we've been making yeah i mean it's just all of these streaming giants as they compete with each other need something valuable to lure subscribers and if that thing opens and you and they make an announcement this is the the streaming service you need to have in order to watch the snyder cut <laughs> sean I mean, it's a chip shot. It's a chip Print shot. Money. 
<laughs> print yeah, exactly. money. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you know, not just with the Snyder cut. I mean, we've also talked about David Ayer and his original cut of Suicide Squad. I'm like, these are things that exist. Sure. This is, you know, seemingly a low amount of money to do whatever they need to do to complete these things if they're not already complete. I'm not going to get into that debate here. But like, it's it's a small amount of money for such a big selling point. Like that's the that's the same point that Scott and I have been making. It's it is a chip shot. It is it is a no brainer. And so you know, we fully expect that that's the way it's going to go. Well, and anytime someone brings up the why would Warner Brothers want to? Okay, so so you, you can take out bruised egos, and believe me, I understand in this industry, egos are a commodity. You know, they they exist. They drive a lot of decisions for good and for bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people make the argument, and they're not wrong. Um, why would Warner Brothers or DC want to put out a movie that, let's say, it's so much better than what was put in theatrical cut, and that's not hard to do. Um, but it's potentially going to tease uh, upcoming movies that, in my opinion now, I don't think, and I could be wrong, that even if the Snyder Cut is released, that the movies that it was intended to set up probably won't ever happen. Yeah. You know, like I That's think That's where we think too, yeah. Yeah, if, 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 you, if the movement succeeds and Zack is able to release his version of Justice League, that'll be the win and, and you, I think everyone should be prepared to just sort of accept it and, and then let DC keep doing what they're doing with their standalone films. Um, but, and I understand the people who say, why would Warner Brothers let this version come out if it's just going to make them look like they made the wrong decision by going with Whedon's cut? But, but, the, but the thing is, it's money left on the table and no exactly. studio ever ever leaves money on the table. Um, and not not that amount of money that they could p- uh, potentially stand to earn. Because the money that was spent on the original production is a sunk cost. I mean, yes. all they have to do is put in whatever money it takes to finish the product that was already there. And from what we're hearing, from what, from what sources we have as, you know, two guys who do this on the weekend as a hobby, is it's infinitesimal compared to the product that would get released. Well, and it's not just that. It, there's something that they could earn that you cannot put a dollar value on and that's fan goodwill um part of the reason why marvel studios has the success that they have is that they've established this bond of trust with their audience the marvel studio logo whether you like all of the films that they put out has come to mean something in terms of the quality of film that you're getting and i think dc is still sort of struggling to figure that out um and i think personally they've been getting better at it with wonder woman being uh, a well-received film that made a lot of money aquaman being a well-received film that made an awful lot of money birds of prey getting really good reviews that for some reason people just haven't checked it out yet um you could go such a long way as warner brothers in dc to finally give the fans this version of the film that they've been dying to see for the longest time maybe that means they show up for the next two films just out of support but listen if the if the movement has proven anything they're fiercely loyal and they can get motivated you know to help out a cause warner brothers make that cause you you know (laughs) to do the right thing and release that version and earn an army of fans that will be fiercely loyal, you know, for for the next few years, for the, for whatever you put out as a thank you for for giving them finally what they want. That uh, to me, that seems like a, a win win. Well, and we've we've been we've been honest about it as far as our show is concerned. Is that we yeah. built going up to Justice League, we our audience had really built up, and when Justice League happened, I mean, Tim, I think we've been yeah. rather honest about this. We saw our audience drop by almost fifty percent, and we never got them back yeah yeah i mean is this is data that i've put together I, I in fact i'll i'll share it with you uh just to, just so that you can kind of see like this is real substantial data that kind of measures like the fan base that we had the fan base that dc films had at the time took such a major hit with justice league like it it was it was night and day it was significant and
and and it's I mean this is the real thing like you could the the loss of the fans uh, that were tuning in every single week to our show were were really invested into what was beginning to form with the shared universe with DC and and the you know all the circumstances with Justice League just cut it off at the knees and and that fan base is the same fan base that is energized behind the re- release of Snyder Cut movement and it it's just really striking I mean and, and that's why you know Sean I think you're really onto something here because I mean this is such a significant storyline that is going to be informative and interesting and and that's why we're like just so excited that you're actually you know <laughs> going to do this book because I mean it's it's not a fun process we know <laughs> well and I, but I think no I, I I undersell that and the point that it has been a lot of fun to sort of go back and revisit this stuff um and read a bunch of old interviews with people along the way and almost trace the timeline of just like where it was heading right where certain decisions sidetrack things a bit um one sort of follow-up question that i sent through to everybody who's participating in the book so far is um and and i'll ask you guys too uh if bvs had crossed a billion dollars do you think uh warner brothers would have left zach alone you know like to me that was such a uh red flag when that movie which you know brought the trinity to the screen for the first time uh didn't get past a billion dollars and not that it needs to not that every movie needs to but that at the same time um something like the third iron man you know was getting past a billion dollars that i i have to understand from a business perspective why warner brothers was looking over at disney and saying if they can do this why aren't we able to do this kind of thing um so you you can look back in hindsight at a lot of these moments that are pivotal and say i understand you know i get it i get why you guys made these decisions but i don't think you thought long term enough of okay now if we make this decision how drastically is that going to affect the next few years and we're now seeing you know the how all of those those decisions have played out and it, yeah. it it's been it's been detrimental uh, but but from a dc standpoint it it almost feels like they're finding their way forward um and it's not necessarily with the people who really support zach and and wanted to see zach's vision it's not his five film plan but if you look ahead to uh, matt reeves doing a batman film um and james gunn doing a suicide squad film and and everything that patty jenkins is doing in the wonder woman world and if james wan comes back for aquaman 2 like those are healthy projects you know they they got to a place where they have some healthy projects uh they just left some devastation in their wake to get there well and they, what they did was they like you said they cut their fan base almost in half by the people who won't even consider the projects go like going forward even though they're healthy projects you'll get you'll get some you're going to get some general audience which is you know the majority of moviegoers but you've also lost the word of mouth and the repeat viewings from fans who were passionate and you know were the people who when someone would talk to me about the fact they never saw BVS and I'd ask them why and they go well I heard it wasn't good and I'm like mm-hmm. yeah but you didn't see it you know and, and then you get people like me who when I talk to people they know what a nerd I am so when I'm there wholeheartedly selling it they stand up and listen because they're like well you know what you're talking about like you like movies you're a nerd you 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 do this stuff mm-hmm. they know I they know I do this podcast and so you know you start to lose those people who are going to like almost have you heard about have you heard about this movie like I, I'm like walking up like passing out pamphlets like like an evangelical going would you like this I think you need to watch this I can't <laughs> yeah, tell you how yeah. many people have like sat down to go you're gonna watch this movie <laughs> it, it, or like when I say have you seen BVS but have you seen the ultimate edition you know it's yeah. like <laughs> are you watching the right version of the movie and and that's what in my mind the Snyder Cut does is that it's kind of a mea culpa to go we're sorry here we go 
low. And mm-hmm. I think people undersell how much that really will be a salve on a lot of feelings if and when that happens. I think it can be. Yes. And and think about putting it on HBO Max is a no cost to the studio. Uh, I mean, if they decide to commit to finish it, fine. But even if they don't, um, I think Zach has sort of shown through things shared on Vero that it's far more finished than anybody gave it credit for. And and I also think the fan base, through two years of education of being told um, the, the various stages that the movie is in, I think they're going to watch it in whatever stage it's in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you could take whatever the, whatever version the cut is in right now and put it on HBO Max and, and just be done with it. You know, <laughs> finally get the thing off your plate and let the fans enjoy it from now until Kingdom Come. Uh, and and it would be a win-win, I think. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, too. I mean, we've just heard the thing about Warner Max, the new uh, film label that, that's going to be, you know, working with HBO Max. I, I, what was the budget? I mean, they're talking like 40 to $60 million films, right? So even if they wanted to sink a little bit more money into this film to like maybe let Zach go back and, and maybe he wants to redo a few things that were changed after he had left the project. You know, I, I don't, I feel like that perfectly fits into whatever budget that they have going forward for that, you know, that film label. And it just... Uh, you know, we've said it enough times. I mean, it, it it's just a no-brainer at this point. It's the most enthusiastic part of the fan base for DC films. You know, it's giving it's giving them something back that was taken away from them. Well, and, and over the past few years, too, we've seen so many major creative decisions or, and business decisions made that have been, um, you know, mind-boggling for various reasons, but they get corrected. Um, and I'm going to use James Gunn gets removed from Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Um, for, you know, old tweets that he had already apologized for, but they're extremely insensitive tweets. And Disney says, we can't work with you. And the fans, you know, sort of scream and yell and, and the cast screams and yells, particularly Dave Bautista. And some time passes and Disney comes around and says, all right, you know what? We're going to let, we're going to let James finish his trilogy. Uh, he gets to come back. You look in the Star Wars franchise, you know, th- they swap directors constantly. Yeah. Uh, Lord Miller get removed from Solo and get replaced by, you know, safe and vanilla Ron Howard or <laughs> Colin Trevorrow gets removed from episode nine and, you know, J.J. Abrams has to fill back in. Like, these decisions that used to be earth-shattering um, from a studio perspective now happen every time you turn around. Um, Marvel and Sony decide they're not going to share Spider-Man anymore. And after two weeks of fan grousing, <laughs> uh, all right, fine, we've made a decision, he can come back, right? We're talking two years, and it, and it's not even nothing controversial happened with Zack, you know? Um, yes, he decided to step away when Autumn committed suicide, but, but and what they might have done or should have done if they hadn't already, I think, decided in their mind they wanted to go in a different direction is pause the movie, you know? Push the release date back. Release date get shifted all the time on major franchises now. What was supposed to come in 2020 ends up in 2021 and vice versa for no reason given whatsoever. Um, So it, the fact that they are still digging their heels in on this one is is baffling to me when if they had a press conference and it was the you know Warner Brothers execs and Zach and they just said, we all know what happened. We're going to make good. Zach's going to finish it. It's going to go to HBO Max. I, I mean, it's such a win that, that I can't understand why it hasn't happened yet. I can't. I don't I don't get right. it. I don't get it. And, and even to your point about the bruised egos, well, and the point I always bring up is you do realize that except for one executive that can be named, yes. everyone else is gone. Yes. The consequences, the, the chips have fallen. And it's right. like, who's left, except for that one person, who's left to care? So then you would argue, then the argument becomes, oh, well, maybe it just doesn't 
doesn't exist. Like maybe there is nothing to show. But everything in the past six months has deflated that argument. Yes. You know, like I I could have been saying to you guys, guys, maybe if if the last six months hadn't happened, what I would be saying to you guys now is, all right, it makes no sense that they're not going to make some kind of announcement. So maybe it has to be that the cut doesn't exist. <laughs> maybe he just doesn't have it. And and in the early stages of putting this book together, I I always said to the people who I was bouncing the idea off of is that wow, it's really fascinating. Like Zach has the ability at any given time to come back around and just sort of say like, guys, I don't have it. You know, I, I love what you guys are doing. You're super passionate. I, I admire that to no end, but it doesn't exist. You know, I never got to shoot whatever. I never got to finish whatever. And he does the exact opposite at every turn, you know, to the point where he shares the canisters, you know, the folder of the canisters. And someone says, why did you do that? And he's like, I'm just sick of people telling me it doesn't exist. Like, right. It's the ultimate mic drop by him. Yeah. <laughs> and so, okay. Oh, okay. So we can't use that argument anymore, Zach? Great. We won't use that argument. It exists 100%. It's 214 minutes. Um, so, so now we try to keep backpedaling. Like, okay, then what is the reason? And there's no reason I can point to as to why they're not doing it. Because it can't be egos any. It can't be. That's just, that's not a valid enough reason with all of the other changes that we've seen in other major franchises. So I don't know what the answer is. No one's told me, that's for sure. Yeah, Sean, I mean, you mentioned a thing about the bruised egos. I mean, the one thing I would just say, you know, if Warner Brothers are listening here, it's like, if the worry is about bruised egos, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a tremendously bruised fan base that is that, you know, you have to do something. You have to acknowledge it. You have to, you know, try to make amends. And that's the biggest argument by far. I suppose. I suppose. I don't know. It's baffling to me then. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I mean, Tim, really, I mean, do, do we have anything else to ask? Tim? You have been a fantastic guest, Sean. I got to tell you, <laughs> yeah. this has been great. I've been, look, I've been looking at my recording going, I don't think I've ever shut up this much during a recording. And I love it. <laughs> it's fantastic. I, I'm glad you love it because I, I'm sorry if I'm chewing your ear off. No, no. I mean, this is fantastic. I mean, we, you know, obviously, you know, our show, we, we cover all the different, you know, goings on on a weekly basis for all the different, you know, films in the DC world and all that. So, you know, and we have uh, we have some of our fan base that doesn't like to hear about all the Snyder talk all the time. So, I mean, we we definitely, you know, we talk about all the films. And but this is one thing that, you know, as, as we've said, this the, the Zack Snyder films, specifically Man of Steel, that is the reason that this show started. <laughs> that is the reason that this show exists is because we wanted to put out a voice that we knew was out there. We knew there was a lot of people that uh, really appreciated what Zack Snyder was doing with his films. And we weren't, you know, we just simply weren't hearing it in terms of a podcast form. We were Bruce Wayne at the end of BVS going, help me find the others like you. <laughs> exactly. That was what we were. <laughs> That's what we were. Well, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you this much too. When you're writing a book about something, you think about it constantly. Yeah. Um, so this is why I'm able to rattle all of this stuff off the top of my head in an interview format is because it's it's on the tip of my tongue all the, and it has been for a year. But what I find most fascinating about this, and maybe this is going to make some people feel cautious about me still, um, or maybe this will win them over to my side. Uh, if you had told me I was going to write a book uh, about anything, uh, never in my wildest dreams would I have told you that it would have been about the DCEU <laughs> uh, based on the way things have gone um, and about Zack Snyder in particular. Like, I like Zack as a filmmaker. Uh, I really liked his films leading up to this. I was fascinated by what he was going to do with Superman. Um, but I, as I said, I've, I've always been a Marvel guy. But but to find a story that that is so interesting to me in that universe, um, it's, it's brought up this whole new passion um, for these characters and this type of storytelling and uh, and so I'm I'm approaching it from that perspective and so I, I've heard from some people who are like oh I don't want to just hear another fanboy you know gushing about uh, Snyder and the DCEU and I, I think the book is going to appeal to a lot of different people by not being that necessarily I, I almost think without even realizing it that the 
movement needed an outsider um, to to filter it through a lens that I think is going to make it interesting to them. Even if they think they know every aspect of this story, they're going to hear it from somebody who sort of witnessed it all happen from the outside uh, and has commentary about all that, but then also hopefully is adding a bunch of interviews from people that you do know and love, but maybe you don't even know their whole story too. Like maybe the personal side of what gets them invested in the Snyder Cut uh, is going to be eye-opening to to you also, because it has been to me for sure. sure. Well, I actually, and, and Tim can attest to this, that has been in the last couple of days since I found out about your book, that has been the thing that has made me the most passionate, like why, why I just openly tweeted you and was like, dude, you want to come on the show? Because of that, because I was like, we need a more objective voice to look at it because people like Tim and me, we've been living and breathing this stuff five years. Yep. I, I've got a wife who's, who is semi-interested in it and give me five minutes and I can convince you why this is the most important thing that you should be paying attention to and why you should be as angry as I am sometimes about what happened. But that's also not good for a book per se for the exact reasons you just said. And I feel like that at least our listenership, you're gonna. I feel like you're going to win over our audience that way because that's what Tim and I have tried to sell ourselves as is we're the guys who you see the clickbait headline, you hear the rumors, and we were the guys who would go read the articles, find, you know, get past the regurgitators. Go to the source material. Go to the source <laughs> article and say, okay, guys, no, this is what it really said. And like, and that's been our mission for the last five years. So what you're doing, like preach, preach, brother. I mean, you're, you're like speaking, <laughs> you're speaking to my soul right now. Yeah. Well, and I think it, it's almost, it's ridiculous. It's almost like political campaigning, right? Like I'm also trying to convince people that I know enough about this material because, you know, and, and thankfully the Cinema Blend name opens up, up enough doors, you know, that people are like, oh, okay. If he ended up becoming manager director of a site like Cinema Blend, he must know kind of what he's talking about. But you can know a lot about movies and not understand the nuances of Zach's journey through the DCEU. And um, I hope as I do, as I do a couple of these interviews and, and appear on people's podcasts who have passionate fan bases that I'm convincingly letting them know that, believe me, I, I know this material as well too. And I can put it into a, a format that's going to make it really interesting and engaging to you guys as readers. No, it's fantastic. Um, Tim. Yeah. I mean, I, this is, this has been, this has been wonderful. I mean, I, <laughs> I feel like we've, we've, we're almost tapping. I feel like we're almost tapping Sean out at this point. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to drain him completely dry at this point. He still needs to leave stuff for the book. Cause <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you, um, as soon as that Amazon pre-order happens, oh. um, you've got, you shut up and take my money, Sean. You, you oh, guys, you've already got my money. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Listen, I, I haven't, I haven't really even traced, you know, I haven't touched whatever we talked about tonight is not even what's in the book. No. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's what got me to the book. Um, the book is so much more, believe me, the book is going to be so much more and I'm not going to believe me. I don't want to oversell it cause I'm not done with it yet, um, <laughs> but I believe in it and I believe in the, I believe in the story. You know, that's what it is. Right. I, it doesn't really matter how I tell it. The story itself is, is important. The people, um, in the movement from what they've told me, uh, are important. And if you just even, it's so much like what I've said to the, my, my close friends who I'm sort of taking along on this journey with me, uh, I keep texting them like what new chapter I'm kind of at. And I'm like, it, dude, it's crazy. Like this whole new chapter, like, okay, I can tell you that there's a chapter in it that's just completely about um, Henry Cavill's mustache. <laughs> and Kingstash! Kingstash! And it's, <laughs> but it's it's like I'm getting um, reactions from people in the movement of how they felt when they first saw it, you know? Oh, like, God, yes. Um, and the stories I'm getting back from people are hysterical. Like, they're just, <laughs> they're the best, like, it, I can tell you this, it takes 55 seconds from the moment you press play on Justice League for the for the the blur to show up right <laughs> for the the oral 
surgery, uh, you know, bubble (laughs) to appear on poor Henry Cavill's (laughs) face. And so it it takes less than a minute of you watching the theatrical cut to realize that something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. I remember that night. I remember it, unfortunately, (laughs) very well. Yes, exactly. It's it's almost become one of those, where were you when, you know, (laughs) this moment happened. And uh, and everyone's got their own story. And I'm, I'm only hoping to, you know, to filter the best ones into a into a book that everybody can enjoy awesome. well sean i i want to thank you so much for coming on and being a fantastic guest uh it, it means so much to us that you would, would come onto our podcast tim you, what, what 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 do you want to say at this point yeah i mean i was just gonna say like i mean uh, this has just been such a fun conversation uh you could tell you know, we've been living this thing we, we're immersed in it uh this is right up our alley uh just being able to talk about this thing and you seem to be very much like-minded with how we are in terms of like us trying to uh, to put the hype aside, put the you know uh, the overreactions that we would have uh, in this fan community for every little thing. Try to put all that aside and just kind of get down to the facts. And and I'm very encouraged based on a lot of the stuff you said here that you know that's really what your intention is to do as well. So I mean I'm I'm super excited for this book coming out. You guys are awesome. I can't thank you enough for having me on. And uh you know I hope that I introduce myself to a lot of people that that are listening to the podcast through you guys. I know you guys have a great audience who are super passionate about this. And so um let you know. I'll come back. Let, let me know anytime I can come back and we can, uh, we don't even have to talk about the book. We can just talk DC films. I'm happy to do that with you guys also too anytime. So let me know. I, I want to have you back for that final chapter where we celebrate. <laughs> yes. You know, where this yes. movement's going to go. We're, we definitely want to have you back for that. <laughs> Good. Put it on the calendar. Yes. Let's book yeah, it. Let's do please. it. Oh my God. <laughs> thank you guys. Oh, thank you. No, thank you. Well, guys, that's going to be it for this week's podcast. We wanted to thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And of course, we always love to hear from you. Sean, how about you go ahead and take this opportunity before we plug ourselves to plug social media plug all the things let people know where they can find you and contact you or and just keep abreast of what's happening in your world absolutely so my my main site is cinema blend obviously uh check us out on a daily basis for all of your movie news uh in addition to that i do a podcast for cinema blend it's called real blend r-e-e-l-b-l-e-n-d uh with two other guys really close friends of mine kevin mccarthy uh, is from fox 5 washington dc and jake hamilton is from fox 32 in chicago uh two other movie lovers much like myself uh, we do weekly podcasts where we talk to a lot of top directors and we review uh, the things that are coming out each week um, I'm on Twitter I use Twitter all the time Sean underscore O'Connell it's S-E-A-N um, if you just do hashtag release the Snyder Cut book you'll start to see some of the things that I'm doing I even feel bad doing that guys I feel like I'm, I'm <laughs> like taking bad. over some aspect of the don't hashtag feel bad. no don't feel bad um, at all but uh, yeah I mean that's going to be a quick way to find me and um, right now stay tuned for the book uh, I know it feels like it's going to be a long way off. It's publishing early 2021, but that's solely because I um, still have to write it. I still, still have to finish it, and I need some big things to happen before I finish it, namely uh, Zach letting us see that that precious precious uh, final <laughs> cut of Justice League that we are all holding out for. So um, find me on Twitter. You can DM me if you guys want to um, learn more about the book and uh, hopefully I can return to the airwaves and tell you guys some more details as I have them. Oh, that's awesome. I, please. And of course you can reach us on Twitter at DC Film Squadcast. I can be reached personally at at Scott DC 27. Yep. And then on Twitter, you can find me at Alan Fire. And of course, you can email the show, uh, DC Films Squadcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. We'd love to hear what you thought about this interview. Please reach out to us. Send us an email. Let us know. Reach us on, you know, Twitter, whatever. Reach out to Sean. Uh, I'd like to keep this conversation going for sure. We're all, we're all three of us actually on Vero. Yeah. Um, we're on the, the networks on Facebook. And of course, our website is squadcastmedia.com. And of course, we want to give one last thank you to all of our patrons over at patreon.
patreon.com slash squadcast media remembering that that five dollars a month is that that fee it gets you the access to the exclusive feed with all of that bonus content and that is going to be it for this week another thank you so much to sean o'connell from cinema blend for being our guest this week and to all of our listeners what do we want to tell them tim as we always say we would ask you to go out keep reading some dc bye guys see you guys Right, Sean. So I have a question for you. You were talking about how you, you know, went to all these other book publishers and they rejected your book. How does that process work? Well, so you put together a whole format, um, a long email, multiple pages, uh, laying out what you um, envision the book to be. You give them your whole spiel, like a sales pitch, essentially, uh, and then they can, you know, get back to you at some point. It could take weeks, could take months. Uh, I've heard from people who I forgot that I even emailed, uh, <laughs> who are only getting back to reject my idea, and it's a, a total form letter that basically just says thank you so much for applying. We looked over your thing. Uh, we're not that interested. And they always couch it this way. But that doesn't mean that some other publisher might not get really involved in your story and, <laughs> and want to tell it. And some and you start to hear that sentiment from, from so many rejection letters that they come in that uh, you realize, oh, this is just one big, you know, paste, copy and paste that is getting sent to all these poor authors who want to get their, their dreams realized and their books published. <laughs> That's obnoxious. Well, I have a question. Do you have them like all in like one big box? <laughs> <laughs> uh, an inbox. Yeah, I've saved them all to a folder so I can go back and, and relive my, my failures, essentially. Well, uh-huh. don't worry. We have the perfect solution for that inbox. Oh, good. The way that only we can. Don't we, Tim? Yes, we do. <laughs> Let's do it.